1: Log talk radio. I always like waiting. I'll be
0: like ready for the beat to drop right there. I'll be just waiting for that remmit to come. Let the beat drop. I need, I need to work on my ad lib. Hey, there you go. We're going we're gonna to Get some practice reps in. We got to get ready to go. That's how we're gonna do. That's how we gonna do the, the season this year. The last episode of the season, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> to bust out our remit freestyle. <laughs> that's how it's gonna go. It's gonna, it's gonna be an epic end to the year, guaranteed.
1: I already feel bad for listeners. Thanks everybody for. Tuning in, man. Numbers are looking good. Podcast way up. Listeners way up. No. Appreciate y'all. Um,
0: you guys, have been dropping some great questions too.
1: Well, and here's why: because they know. Let's, let's, let's just go there. It happened, man. Unt won this weekend. Now, before I know, everybody saw the game. It's the one thing everybody wants to talk about. Here's the deal, man. Oh yeah. Uh, I've seen some crazy stuff. Look, we saw 28 to three last year. We had a And M UCLA earlier this year. I've seen some crazy things. The way the UNT game ended this weekend, I know nobody watched this stuff, even though I had bait over. I'm running circles around my damn house when this was over. I just want want to (laughs) set the the scene here. UNT has the ball, four minutes left, fails, take it back to UTSA, San Antonio. They run the ball three times. We use all our timeouts. We get the ball back. Again, no timeouts. We get the ball back, and I I just want you to consider this, Myson. We get the ball back a minute seven left in the game at our own two-yard line with no timeouts. And they went hey, 98 yards
0: and won the damn game. There's nothing <laughs> hard about that. 98
1: <laughs> yards, no timeouts,
0: and won the damn game.
1: Everything is – anything is possible. Kevin dot if Anything's possible, man.
0: <laughs> Look, I'm going to be the hater to rain on your parade. It's college where they stop the clock after first down. So you can either get out of bounds or get a first down, and you'll stop the clock. So, hey. <laughs> I can smell your hatred. Hundreds of miles cool. away,
1: as it just Pure lost hatred. past UNT three and zero in conference USA. That's why everybody listens to Turf Show Radio. Hit us up with your comments, questions, whatever. Hashtag Turf Show Radio. <laughs> more important stuff happened this week, Tyson. For for the audiences of Turf Show Times and Turf Show Radio, though, there was a more important. Thing. There was.
0: There, there was much, much, much more important. And why was it so important? Because it was the game that scared the absolute piss out of me. <laughs> and for good reason. As it should have. Yeah. <laughs> for good reason. Thank goodness for special teams, right? And <laughs> defense. They came through. Uh,
1: quick, quick drop. We got Liz Habib coming on as a special guest joining us in a minute. Uh, but let's go Let's yes, go through the did. game, Myson. You, you, you mentioned special teams. I mentioned defense. Clearly, the, the the bottom line is that the Rams got a huge road win against a very, very quality young up-and-coming team. I think the way yes. I framed it was that these are, these are two of the teams that in the future of the NFL are going to be front and center for, you know, the big games to come. If it's not 2017-2018, it's going to be uh, relatively soon. Um, so this was kind of a preview of sorts of the next era of
0: the NFL,
1: and it went our way. It's pretty uh, – pretty great result what 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 are your feelings now that we've had a couple days of that
0: you know what it's 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 like my big takeaway from it when I was sitting there watching it I was like you know what they just did that no one else has done thus far against the Jags with the exception of one play they 100% shut down uh Leonard Fournette I mean Leonard Fournette uh they said it during the game nobody has seen more eight-man boxes than him I think he's seeing eight-man boxes on, like, 50% of his carries or something like that, uh, which is similar to what Ty Gurley saw last year. The difference is, Fournette is still producing. <laughs> like, he's still ripping off big games, yeah. you know. And the one play, the first play of the game for them, uh, where he actually got some good yardage was a 75-yard touchdown run. And on that one play, it was, I, I, when I watched it, I was just like, wow, that's all on John Johnson. You know, John Johnson is there to fill the hole. He's got to come down Fill it in. He didn't.
2: And the he did open
0: up, but then he just why wow. <laughs> the whole well he didn't. He just kind of stood there, waiting for him to come to him, and then he hesitated, right. and then you can't hesitate somebody against somebody that fast, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. the fact that you didn't feel the hole and you hesitated, he got to the second level and he ran right past you at that point. So uh, you know, other than that one one uh one play, and it's kind of like what we talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago, with Max fact, several times where. You know, you rather have a guy who yep. consistently picking up seven, eight, five yards here and there, you know, as opposed to having 40 yards on 20 carries and then butting one really big long one, which was the uh, case with Leonard for yeah, yesterday. When, and exact opposite can be said. Ty Gurley was consistently. Exactly. His longest run was 14 yards, but he finished with 116, so 123 or something like that. So that should tell you, you know, that he was consistently moving the ball. He didn't have a long run. I was I was pleased with that. It was uh it was the opposite to say to say the least. So good game. And you can the see the value of it when when we got to the end of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So Fournette
1: uh, had 21 carries for 130. You take out that 75-yard carry, he only had 55 yards on 20 rushes. That's 275, if my math is correct. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's not a first down on three consecutive runs. Todd Gurley had no. 116 out of 23. You mentioned the longest is, I'm doing the numbers right now. 14. Um, 14. So, out of 23 20, rushes, he's averaging carry five. five.
0: Like yeah. yeah. So, if you no, go, so, let me pull
1: up this last drive. Look, look at these rushes. First and 10, it's four yards. Second and 10, it's six yards for the first, or second and six, six yards for the first. Then second and 11, two plays later, five. That makes the third and six possible. Rams convert that. First and 10, Malcolm Brown goes for seven. Uh, Then third and four, Todd Gurley picks it up with a nine-yard run. First and 10, three-yard gain. Second and seven, four-yard gain. So you can see that because the Rams were successful, not just at the end of the game, but over the course of the game, They were able to do things more in terms of controlling, forcing the defenses to respect the run a little bit more, opening up the passing game that obviously the Jaguars couldn't do because the Rams were keeping Leonard Fournette in check, and obviously Blake Bortles
0: was at the helm. You know, I wrote it down on my notepad. I don't have my notepad here in front of me. I know I suck. But (laughs) Todd Gurley actually had, um, I want to say, and I'm going to have to double-check before the show's over, he had six first-down carries that went for at least seven yards, six of them. <laughs> so that's that's a, that's a good way to get the get, get the uh, the drive going when you get your first. I mean, his first carry of the game went for nine yards, I think. So he was uh, he was definitely doing just a really good job of just kind of producing solid yard after solid yards. And it's interesting because it was on a day where Jared Goff didn't really do much of anything. You know, um, I think I jinxed him. Sure. I actually said that when I was watching the tape. Remember how I was saying that I don't think he's going to have too many games where he's less than two hundred yards passing. My bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think I jinxed him. But he didn't really do much at the office. Um, and I know later on in the show, I'm going to get to it. A fan asks a question of uh, about golfing. You know, his inaccuracy in certain types of plays. But he definitely them had right some. Here. He yeah, he had some he had some shots that he misfired on where you're just like, oh man, if he's if he's right, if he's just two yards over here, he's just a he pull it back a yarder. You know, he missed. Higby on one, he missed. Uh, he missed uh Sammy Watkins on one. You know, it was. There was a couple where Sammy Watkins, Tyler he, Higby,
1: he missed a couple.
0: Bro. Yeah, yeah, he missed some big plays where he could have. He could have doubled his total output just off of two plays. <laughs> so sure, sure. so it's, uh, it was definitely it was definitely an off day for him, that's for sure. But defense, special teams stepped into the plate, man. The
1: the thing that I think was funny is we're talking about a game where you got a, a very effective and maybe the most effective game on the ground for on the year from Todd Gurley. Uh, and yeah. defense and special teams was really what won the game. This was a Fisher Ball win, right? And we've seen we've seen these <laughs> games before. This was a Fisher Ball yeah. win in a post Fisher Ball era. And I think what's interesting is that the Rams are there's a there's a aspect of their versatility that more people keep asking like how good are the rams what's their ceiling and i think i don't i don't i don't know and we're we're you know we're not even into late October yet, so it's not like you know we're hitting the playoff push months, but what I think is interesting is there's a level of versatility with this team that continues to expand there's a versatility yeah. on offense where you know it can be frustrating for guys like Sammy Watkins that we're not going to guys over and over and over to you know force them into Matchups that you know they repeatedly win because we have so many other opportunities to beat them on offense. There's a versatility to defense where you know you you can let Maurice Alexander go mid-season because you've got personnel behind him, and then different things you can tinker with up front as long as you got Aaron Donald. And it just feels like more than the Fisher Bowl years, we can still play that kind of football clearly and win because the personnel is good enough. But there's something about either the coaching or the game planning or the adjustments that are allowing us to play games differently than we have before. And maybe as even though we can win games like this, we can win them other ways too, and that's what's different.
0: I personally like it. You know, And I like it so much because I've seen this formula work for the last 20 years, and that's with the Patriots, where they don't really have a this is, this is how we're going to play you know you you look at uh, a team like the Saints for example they they have a formula that they've stuck with forever <laughs> you know but it doesn't always seem to work to their favor uh you know you look at uh, another team who does it where they don't really have a this is how we play, it changes, is um, is the Steelers. You know, other than the exception of Antonio Brown, which who can blame them, they're going to throw it to him. <laughs> but, you know, they, they don't necessarily have a game plan to go in, like we're going to throw the ball 50 times, you know, a game, or anything like that. It changes week to week. And when you see those type of formulas installed and you see the success the teams have with it, you can't help but have an appreciation for it. And considering that that's the type of – approach that Sean McVay has, it's exciting, you know, because you know because you know that it does work. You know that when teams do this, that it's a good way to keep defenses on their toes at all times. And so far, as, so far as been a, it's been effective. They've done a very, very, very good job moving the ball up and down the field. Um, I think far better than anyone could have ever expected.
1: Well, let's bring on our special guest for the week, uh, Myson, coming out of uh, Fox 11. Their sports anchor here to join us tonight is Liz Habib. Liz, how's it going?
2: You guys, what kind of different team is this? <laughs> so it's, much more fun. Oh, my God, after that tragedy bit. last year.
1: Uh, well, wow. let's, let's, <laughs> start there, let's start there, Liz. Clearly the results are different, but there's got to be a bunch going on. Monday to Saturday, in, in the off moments, that's different, too. What, what do you think that you're seeing is different about the 2017 Rams and the 16 Rams besides just the obvious stuff?
2: The energy, the energy is different. It's way different. You got different players. There are different. I mean, the, the the couple of different players are real game changers. You know, receivers. These guys are real sure. game changers. Jared Goff's a different guy. a Guy who's building confidence. And every time he does his weekly, you know, talking to the media, there's a difference in him. Todd Gurley is a changed man. I mean, he's a change. <laughs> this personality is finally showing. So a lot energy. They believe yeah, girly, there's something, you know?
0: A girly does seem to be much more into it than he was uh last year where you, I think everyone kinda got tired of seeing the moping and the sadness and it, it, it showed a lot what was really on his mind. So so far this year, considering that, you know, the, the great uh start that they've had, you know, the Rams haven't had a four two start to a season since two thousand and six, how have the buzz began to grow more just in L.A., or is it, is it still some timidness some timid because, you know, people are kind of used to seeing that, oh, they gonna they're get you high and let you down over the past uh, 10 years or so. Uh, are we starting to see more of that buzz start to grow? Are people really starting to buy into this?
2: No, and it's not any <laughs> of the reasons that you just said. This is a very different town, Los Angeles. You mm-hmm. have to win to get anyone to notice you. So, this is not a town that just accepts they have a football team or teams, or three teams if we include the Raiders in there. And the Raider fans are very solid, very loyal fans. This is not that kind of town where it's like, oh, we're going to get our hopes up and let our hopes down. They don't even know the team's there still. You have to see, you have to understand that this is a different thing than the Midwest town. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I know what those towns do with teams. I mean, I'm a Steeler and a Penguin and a Pirates fan. It's a very different phenomenon than what goes on in a city like Los Angeles. The town is so big and sprawling, and there's so much going on that you have to win. You have to win, and you have to win spectacularly. Now, I'm going to tell you, they got the spectacularly part coming along pretty good because they uh, – I don't know what, I don't know where they are this week. I guess we'll know after Monday Night Football, but they were the number two scoring team in uh, – in, all of the NFL as of this week. And that is going to get people's attention. But even after the win in Dallas, the Seahawks came to town, and there wasn't 80,000 people. There were 60-some thousand people. 60,000, you know, that's pretty darn good.
1: And I think one of the things that's going to make a difference is, obviously, what happened last night. When you've got the Dodgers winning games like that, they get the the above-the-fold treatment, right? They're going to get – yeah. The first segment on sports broadcast. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you guys had to leave with that, right, Liz?
2: Yeah, I did. All Dodgers. Barely mentioned the Rams just now. Yeah. I just got done, and done doing the sports yeah. cast, so that they were still in Jacksonville. You know, I just threw in a, hey, by the way, they're yeah. still in Jacksonville. And they're going to go to London. That was my five o'clock. At ten o'clock, I'll do a little bit more on the Rams. But you better believe it. The Dodgers mm-hmm. are in the NLCS and they just won with a walk off. That's going to be. <laughs> that's going to happen in any town. That's going to happen in any town. But. If the Dodgers go to the World Series, the only way the Rams could ever compete with that is if they went to the Super Bowl. Hey, that's happen, how yeah. far the Rams need to go right now. You know, If the Rams wow. make the playoffs, which is a possibility, let's be honest, it's a possibility this year, um, that'll give them some good buzz. That'll be good for them. It's going to start building it for them. The, the Rams, trust me, are way ahead of the Chargers. The Chargers are just, uh, that's just, whoa. They don't even that's exist for people here.
1: I I do wonder, with the Chargers being there, and and given that attendance is no longer a thing that – when the Rams were leaving St. Louis, there was a lot of lazy media that went uh, went and said, look, people aren't showing up for the games. St. Louis is somehow a town that's incapable of hosting an NFL game. Well, now you've got, you know, whether it's attendance issues at the Coliseum earlier this year or San Francisco, or you look around most of the NFL teams when they're struggling, especially by the time you get to November – People aren't going to show up to games. What, what I think is maybe going to be an interesting dynamic with the Chargers, especially because it's 2017, and I'd love to get your, uh, your feelings on this, especially because it's right. L.A. is how much, how much of the game you can digest from a distance now where you've got the red zone and you've got your iPad and you've got your phone and you've right. got Liz Habib coming to you through Twitter and whatnot, right. where you don't necessarily right. need to be at the game to get much of the experience.
2: You know what, you guys, I- I'm willing to say to you that attendance has nothing to do with it. You can't afford those games. I, I went through the uh, – you know, they got a whole thing set up now for the new stadium down in Inglewood, right? They've got, like, the sales center. I don't know. They have a special name for it. They use the euphemisms for everything. The sales center. What-, what the heck? That is not for regular people. That is not for teachers and policemen. And people who work in you know, grocery stores and construction workers. Who can afford that? Who can afford to go to those games? That is for corporations, big money. I don't know who's going to sell those suites, too. So you think it's about attendance? That's a bunch of BS. It's about TV rights, and when yep. those teams moved here, it was about doubling the value of the team, or in Stan Croce's case, as they've been down to that property, I gotta mean, tell you, it's impressive. It's impressive. For Los Angeles, a property like that is almost impossible to do. And he had the team to do it with. And that's why he moved the team. To me, there's no other reason. Yeah. You know, this, the people, St. Louis are great people who love their sports teams. My God, look at the Cardinals, right? St. Louis is very capable of it. Attendance had nothing to do with that. It was about money. You all know that, right? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's about money. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And what's funny is when they were leaving St. When they were leaving St. Louis, they were doing it on the back of 12 consecutive years of losing. We're talking about Los Angeles having to deal with one year. Mike, you had a question for Liz about the, uh, the turnaround.
0: Yeah. So with the, the turnaround, it's, uh it's almost like it's happening so quick, you know, and you, you touched on it a bit already. And uh with, talking about what it would take to get the fans to really buy in the Super Bowl and everything, but what has been the thoughts on the guy, one of the guys who spearheaded this turnaround, uh, Sean McVay, um, you know, from the, his arrival till now, like how have thoughts changed? What, what was your personal thoughts on him initially, and what do you think of him now?
2: Um, I was surprised at how young he was. I was surprised that they didn't choose somebody a little bit older, But that was about it. I sort of left it. My jury was sort of out. I totally love him. I think he's fantastic. This guy eats, sleeps, breathes football. He still knows nothing about Los Angeles. That's not his job to know about Los Angeles. (laughs) His job is to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. It's a hell of an opportunity, and he's not squandering that opportunity. And it's not just Sean McVay. It's every other coach on that staff. They're impressive. This is the NFL of the future. Now, they're lucky they have weighed for them, right, on the defensive side. Sure, right. So he's going to figure all of that out. But he has turned Jared Goff and Todd Gurley into two guys we thought they were. You know, we knew Todd Gurley had it in, and we weren't so sure about Jared Goff. So, I don't think that there was any negativity. All there was with Sean was a, hmm, is that going to work? Well, guess what? He's not the only young coach in the NFL who is working right now, right? Look at what the Redskins are doing. This is really – it's tired old football unless you bring these young guys in. These guys are doing it, and they're, it's fun. They make the game much more fun. The comparison is the years we just came out of right with the Rams with Jeff Fisher. So – you know, look, listen, guys, you, no one here thinks anyone's going to the Super Bowl. No one knows what's going to happen the sure. rest of the season, right? But we're, right. we're optimistic about a team. And for us, for me, as a sports anchor and a sports reporter, it's a lot more fun to cover a team that's winning. You know, it's a lot more fun to cover let the Dodgers have, look, right now than the Angels. Mm-hmm.
1: But, well, let me ask you this, Liz, because you mentioned that. What did, what did you learn, even in retrospect now, about 2016, that maybe in the midst of it, you didn't pick up on, or just as a, as as an observer, as a media observer, what can you go back and say, what would you say to Liz Habib in November of 2016 that maybe she needed to hear that, you know,
2: now? Oh man, that's a good question. Boy, that's a good question. uh, Because part of the
1: reason why I ask is because so many fans just scapegoated Jeff Fisher. They put everything into Jeff Fisher, but like you mentioned, it takes a whole coaching staff to, to raise a team. It, there's a 53 guys on the roster yeah. who change week to week. There's so much going on there. I just wonder if there's one of those – if you can look back and say, you know, one thing I didn't know about the team that I know now is X.
2: You know, I don't think anybody expected oh – God, we didn't expect the team to do well. Um, mm-hmm. We hoped that Jared Goff was what he is. We knew they needed receivers, right, as the whole season unfolded. Sure. In Los Angeles, we really see things differently. We knew, and we always will know this, that you have to win. The Los Angeles Lakers are really in a bad place right now because they haven't been winning, right? right. So that's an issue. You have to win. What would I say? What did I learn? I mean, no one knew that Sean McVay would do this, right? Sure. But we don't know. We're, all, we're only a, a quarter of the way through here. We're not sure yet. 100% what this is going to be, but at least it's a lot more fun. Um, I don't know what I... I didn't... <laughs> I didn't know one guy could make this much of a difference, or I, I, it's his whole mm-hmm. staff. That offensive staff mm-hmm. of coaches is incredible. Yes. he have got five offensive mm-hmm. coordinators running an offense, and they game plan, like, down to every play. That little shovel pass yesterday was really beautiful into the end zone. That's yeah. a great game plan. They knew that was coming, you know? So... They're quick. That's a really good question. I'll probably think of it in my sleep tonight. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Hit us up.
0: We'll be up. I know you okay. Hit us up on Twitter I'll text or something. You. I'll we'll tweet be there.
2: you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned, like, a bit about the uh, not knowing what the future holds and you know, I'm the first one to say it all the time. Like I expected the Rams to be better, but in no way whatsoever did I expect them to be this much better. And so quick, you know, Um, but just so far, like what are your thoughts on this turnaround and the the direction that they're going? Like, like how well do you think they can really continue to play? I know Joe and I, we discussed it on the show a few weeks ago. We, you know, just kind of touching on it a little bit from preseason what we were looking at the record might be at this point and then where it is, what it is actually now. Um, you know, Joe, so just about how the perspective has changed quite a bit by seeing what the product is that's on the field now. Like, where, where, where's your thoughts looking at this product and, you know, not being able to know what the future holds, but just kind of what you're expecting moving forward?
2: Where do you see the weaknesses in the team right now? I think that that's where you have to – but the thing is, Sean and the rest of the coaches are so good at bringing so many other things in. I think Wade's got that defense under control as of the second half of the Dallas game. I think Mm. they've got that under control as of, or let's just we can point to yesterday after that 75-yard run by Leonard Fournette. Right, that was the end of it. Right. Yeah. So I think that the defense. I think the defense is looking very good. Right. Um, On the offensive side, where are the weaknesses? Um, Ball safety. Right, so they yes. have to get that under control, right? I mean, Todd Gurley even has some issues in that area, and it's been that way for a couple of years. Um, we think that we, as we look at this, and I'm talking about me and Jackie Slater and Vince Ferragamo, we do a show together. We think that there are shades of right. Bill Belichick, um, you know, right? And Sean, if he, you're going gonna to muff the pun a couple of times, you're out. Um, we were all... Kind of like, hey, why did Gurley? Why did why did he ghost Gurley? Not yesterday's game, but the game before, right? Well, maybe because Gurley fumbled on his way into the end zone. Maybe, right? Maybe there are shades of Belichick there. So maybe they'll buy into his system and do exactly what they're supposed to do. Because let's face it, that's all you need to do: do what they tell you to do. Um, Goff has to. We're, we're seeing Goff getting better, and he has to get better. They don't throw the long ball very often. I'd like to see him really dish it out there. But what Sammy Watkins been up to? You know, Sammy gonna come Twitter. around and run his routes the way he should. Yeah, <laughs> <been> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know,
0: I don't think I don't so, think Sean McVay liked it either.
2: But right, exactly. I mean, do what you're supposed to do. We were laughing at Jared Goff last week because someone asked him about maybe trying to give Sammy a few balls, right? And Jared pretty much was like, well, you know, I'm not going to stop doing my progressions to try to get it to anybody in particular. And I said, let me translate for you. That was Jared Goff going, hell no. We're doing a good no. job this way. Yeah. If he's not going to play for he's supposed to. Right. No way. So it just depends on where you see the weaknesses. Will the offensive line be able to handle it? You know, this offensive line has been pretty good. You guys probably know the stats better than I do. On that.
0: Yes, they, ha- they have been exceptional. Well. they actually been a top five line in the offense, and they held Demarcus Lawrence in check, who's leading the NFL in sacks. He didn't even blow right. on Jared Goff,
2: <laughs> he didn't I even mean, right?
0: close to him. <laughs>
2: Talk about a difference. I mean, that is another with Whitworth and Sullivan and, you know, the rest yeah. of the guys on the offensive line. Them coming in, what a difference that made on that offensive line in protecting, you know, Jared Goff. So I don't know. I don't. And know continues to, do to make. You never know. Mhm.
1: And that's the exciting thing this, is that you know this. I tweeted it out from our account today. The Rams are four and two. They haven't been four and two or better since two thousand six. Um, that's four coaches ago. That's five or six quarterbacks ago. So we're into a completely new territory, uh, and, and and I think you know what what you really hit on for the key of the Los Angeles Rams right now is finding their space in the market. Uh, and and it, it's interesting, you know, no matter what the Dodgers do, even if they go all the way, the Rams got the Cardinals in London this week, then they got the bye. So they're coming back. Right. Uh, you know, the first game back is in New York against the giants, but that'll get some visibility. Right. Then they're at home against the Houston Texans. That's going to be a huge game after baseball is done with, well, let me, I'll let y'all let you deal with USC however you need to on your own time. But USC got that game against UCLA to cap off the college season, and the Chargers just are where they are. How is football changing compared to like three, four years ago? How is football in Los Angeles changing for November and December, where you're really in the meat of the football season, baseball's done, and the Lakers haven't really gotten into the meat of their season yet? Is the sport maybe getting more traction, or is is it going to take teams – doing what they need to do, and maybe teams like USC being more successful when the pressure's on them like it has been this year.
2: You know, it's hard to say because we haven't had enough years to get a pattern on it, but I'll tell you this. I was at the mm-hmm. USC game, I don't know, sitting in the press box a couple weeks ago. I can't I, – I don't remember which one. Um, and um, and I was talking to the – you know how, like, in the college, on the college level, there's those guys who have been covering the team for, like, 40 years, right? They're sitting in the press box. Right. And uh, one of the guys who's been there for a long, long time said to me, you know, Liz, we are seeing, we're feeling the Rams in town. We're not getting the attention we used to get.
1: That's wild.
2: Okay? I think that's interesting because there's so much um, talk about how USC draws a bigger crowd than the Rams. Um, Yeah, well, yeah, because everybody's a U.S. alum from USC. That's sort of – isn't that – you know, that's what goes on, yeah, when you've got a big football team nice. like that. UCLA's not doing well this year. Um, the USC's okay. I mean, they're winning, but it's nothing thrilling at this point, right? Maybe as the season moves on, if they beat Notre Dame, that'll bring them some more attention. But there is, believe it or not, there is a little bit of a drop-off, according to, you know, some guys in the press box who have been there for a while, right? And on a year where, the, where USC is a little bit better than they have been over the past couple of years. So it's hard to say after that what will go on. I, I just – this is just too soon to tell. Everything's too soon to tell. I, I said that after, after the Falcons were in town and they beat the Rams, what was that, 42-12 to 12 last year? Um, yeah, my, It was on our air. Right, I was the first thing on the air after that. And I said, you have got to wonder what Stan Kroenke is doing putting a team like that on the field. He will not get money for those PSLs, right? So I said that. By the next day, uh, Jeff Fisher was fired, right? So so it was because it was boring, boring. Nothing's more deadly than boring football. No one will go. They cannot spend that kind of money to go to a game. Because if games are expensive in the Midwest to go to, we don't have that kind of money out here in Los Angeles that people can just go to games and spend their money. It's too expensive to live here. That's another thing that people don't talk about. This is a very expensive place to live. How much do you think it costs? How? What does it cost to go to an NFL game? One hundred ten bucks for a ticket, eighty bucks for a ticket, and then park. You know how much parking is? Sixty. Okay. So now you're up to one hundred seventy bucks. Let's say one hundred seventy bucks, right? And now let, let's get let's spend some money on food. Let's add another two hundred seventy bucks for one person. Two hundred seventy dollars to go to a game, unless they're winning or unless they're losing spectacularly, right? You can't afford that, so that's what goes on.
0: So, uh,
1: as somebody be, who I was just going to say, as somebody who took uh, my wife and my daughter to week seventeen last year, uh, <laughs> I won't <laughs> disclose how much we spent, but it was a uh, it was an embarrassing show of financial uh, illiteracy. Let me put it like that. But, uh, good, good for, I mean, you gotta, good for me so to be able to expensive. do it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah it was. and if you can do that, great. Or if you're like a lifelong Steelers fan, like where I grew up, and everybody's got season tickets, and it's an event. The Rams just haven't come back. There's a lot of tailgating, but it's not the same event as USC is yet. It's too right. early. We're only in the second year. This is not a town where the NFL is king. There's plenty of people who will go and watch, but it's not. the NFL is not
1: too it's wild. I remember when the Rams left in 94, I went to USC Cal, 1998, Carson Palmer's freshman year uh, at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, went, we were going through the tailgating at the time, and I couldn't understand. I was still young. I couldn't understand how the Rams hadn't had enough support on the way out because the scene that I saw, that was the year where USC was ranked, I think, 18th going into that week before. So it was and they had Carson Palmer, they had all this hype. And I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, clearly there's enough football fans in this town. It has nothing to do with the sport. It's something about the Rams, and it's something about winning, like you said, needing to win. My son, I'll let you get the last question. We've taken up enough. Of this time.
0: Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, just going to say, you know, yesterday I thought was a, a pivotal win um, because I think as far as uh, the three games after the Cowboys going into the bye week with the Seahawks, Jaguars, and Cardinals, of those three, the Cardinals is probably the team that you would look at and say they're the most beatable of the three. You know, that, That's probably going to be the game that's not going to be quite as difficult as the others. Uh, me personally, I thought the most difficult game of, uh, of those three would be the Jaguars. The Jaguars absolutely scare the hell out of me. That is a really, really, really scary defense. They are fast. They are physical. They're all over the place. They create turnovers. They get sacks. And then on offense, they just run the ball so unbelievably well. Uh, Considering they won that game, I thought that was a big win. It was a pivotal win going into this uh, last game before the bye. What are some things that you think that uh, people should be able to take away from that win against the Jaguars? Like, what did it show that, you know, that we didn't see last year with this ref team?
2: Well, I mean, a young team like that winning on the road is really big. And you're right. They were able to win. You know, look, I I don't want to use coach speak, but I'm going to all three phases, right?
0: Special teams
2: won that that game for them yesterday, right? Great work by special teams with the kickoff return and Corey Littleton with the blocked punt. It was really work by the special teams and that defense that shut Leonard Fournette down. And once we knew going in, when we had talked about it and analyzed it coming forward, Vince Ferragamo said, they're one-dimensional. They can only run the ball. If you can stop that, you got it. And guess what? They did it, and they knew that. And they had the right game plan, too. Even for that defense, and that defense is good, boy. We looked at all the numbers on that defense, right? Glace, Campbell, the whole bit with that, right? Yeah, they right. were able to game plan it well enough to get into the end zone, to get some whatever field goal. I couldn't believe it. Zerline missed one yesterday. I couldn't believe it. that um, they were able to win the game. A win is a win. It got a little boring, but, you know, Jackie Slater says what, what are you bored with? It's mistake free football and that's good and that's a good win. They were very impressed. Jackie and Vince loved that they were on the road. They were a young, they're a young team and they were able to pull out that win, right? So now here they go to play in London. Who knows how everyone's going to do in terms of that's a tough trip. That is not an easy trip. Absolutely. And then you right. And then the Giants should be winnable, but after all the travel, who knows? Right? This is the NFL. Who knows? what goes on but you're right the Jaguars were scary because of that defense and I think a win on the road after everything that went on is a good win that was good they should have won the game the week before it's too bad they lost that was sure. a bad loss five turnovers they, they had five turnovers and were still in the game so what it tells and us I think, turnovers. Is they, last year they quit yeah I know last year they quit they quit it, it, it became the story that they'd quit you know, and they they don't quit. They're buying into Sean McVay's message, and Sean McVay is not taking his foot off the gas. If they fumble, they're out. If they do something wrong, they're out. And but you have to do that. You have to. You know, I don't know what the deal with Sammy Watkins is going to be, but we'll see. Watkins is as reliable as hmm
0: I'm glad you mentioned uh, Sammy Watkins. Actually, I meant to mention this earlier. Uh, the one thing that I immediately thought of when he was talking with Tory Holt on Twitter was, you know, the we, not me concept that Sean McVay brought over. And Sammy Watkins wasn't here for that. Uh, That was something that he was preaching from the day he got in the door. It was his first slogan that he put out. He came out with T-shirts and everything. You know, like he really pounded the team first uh, idea that he really put into the players' heads. And by all accounts, it appears that he got everyone to buy into it. But then you have Sammy Watkins, who wasn't here, during all of that time and, you know, he gets here and a couple weeks into the season, you know, he's not getting the ball as much as he wants to get and it's immediately a me response. You know, how much more of that before, you know, uh do you think personally, just showing personal thought, like do you think before Sean McVay said, I'm not sure if we, this is a guy we want to bring back. Um And if that's the case, did the Rams, was it a smart move for the Rams to give up their second rounder?
2: I think – you know, Sammy can get things done. We've seen him make some great catches. You know, but we saw yesterday there was a was he, there was one drive I think where they threw to him twice. Where Jared threw him twice. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel like Sammy went up and went up and really tried to get that ball. I don't know. Sammy can go up and double coverage and bring a ball down. We've seen him do mm-hmm. it. So, no, I don't think he's. I, I you know look. I suppose they can't regret trying it, right? Uh, the guy, what was he, the number four pick in the first round? I mean, yeah. he, he, he's a superstar, and he wants to be a superstar, and he thinks he's coming to L.A. That's another thing. Comes out of Buffalo, comes to L.A. Guys, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> if there's anyone who understands <laughs> what that, like, transition to L.A. is or is not, it's me. L.A. is not – you don't just get to walk into L.A. and be something. You earn it. Kobe Bryant – earned that magic Johnson earned that you don't just show up and you're the superstar because you're on a football team in LA doesn't work like that here but he may have had these thoughts that here he's coming in he's the receiver maybe he's going to get you know what he's you know his due he's in isn't he in a contract year or two yep, so <laughs> unless some yeah unless something goes on and he buys into it and he begins to buy into the program and this is really they use all their weapons right Plus, we've even seen Jared throw it long too many times, right? So Jared hasn't worked up to that, I don't think, yet. So um, I don't know. I, You know, they can't – he's the weak link there. Anytime you complain, you're the weak link there, don't you think? I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. You tell me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Liz, see.
1: Liz, what, we'll what see. do we need to promote? you you got Liz Habib on Twitter. you got the show you mentioned with Jackie and Vince. What is this thing you're doing with Sarah do. Owens and um, is it Eric Dickerson, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we do. I do Pigskin Preview. That's Friday night. So we don't run any of our shows on the air from Fox because we can't because we use football footage. You can't just put – I mean, we can't run this up online. I mean. right. So i got Jackie and Vince, yep. 1030 uh, Friday nights, and then i got post-game, 5 o'clock on Sundays. We do pre-game, too, uh, a lot of weeks. And then TiO, Tara Owens, and, and uh, Eric Dickerson and I do Facebook every uh, Wednesday at 6 o'clock. So we get together at one of the um, bars that Eric knows the guy. It's a big sports bar. And and we just talk about whatever we think is uh, interesting to talk about um, every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. So anybody anywhere all over the world can watch us do that. We're always on T.O.'s Facebook because he's got, uh, you know, a million or some followers. So he's got the best following. Um, This week we're not doing it because Eric's on his way to London. But um, most every other week we're doing that. And you can participate. Like you just send us your questions. Right on Facebook and we can or my Facebook's Liz Habib or my Twitter or my Instagram it's just Liz Habib and you could always send me stuff and we'll talk about it during that. But that's interactive. Which is fun. T O and E D are fun. And most of the time I think I get the truth out of them. <laughs> <sighs>
0: <laughs> I don't think it's hard to
1: get I don't, I don't know that that's hard to do, Liz.
0: I don't know that it's hard to get Terrell
1: Owens and Eric Dickinson. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I found that, <laughs> I, I I found that out so. last
0: year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. E.D. pretty oh. straightforward.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. E.D. likes to be – that's why it's called – It's called. we call the show Straight to the Point. That, that he likes to be real straightforward and tell it like it is. And he's not afraid of that. You know, the Rams are paying him. He works for the Rams now. But I sort of hold his feet to right. the fire that he can't – You know, but I'm sure he knows things. You guys, I'm sure he knows things he doesn't tell me, you know? Of course. Um, Like, listen, Aaron Donald, we wonder what the situation with Aaron Donald is. We have a hunch, and when we have a hunch, and I'm talking about, like, you know, my analysts or some of the other guys I know, if there's a hunch coming from them that there's some kind of offer on the table, I believe there is an offer. It's not a hunch. They know what they're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe Aaron thinks his offer should be better than that. But Aaron's not complaining and he's doing a great job, and he is back to who he is, one of the best players in the league. So there must be an offer sitting on the table that he feels okay about. You know? And
1: the interesting thing about yeah. that is even though, even though the holdout was last year, we get to revisit that whole thing again uh, coming up in this next offseason. But y'all know the best place to, to do it. She gave you the instructions. Get at her. It's Liz Habib, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Liz.
2: Thanks, you guys. Always fun to talk to you.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Got to have you back
2: yeah, let's do it again if they're doing really well later in the season. All right. You we'll
0: <laughs> know it.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Take it Thanks, easy. Liz. Right. Thanks, Liz. Fox 11, sports anchor, Liz and Eve. Got to love her, man. She's great.
0: Oh, yeah. Love the energy. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: like, and that's, you know, it's her energy. It's the team. That was kind of why I asked what she learned last year to this year. It's It's easy right now. And I don't mean for her, it's easy. It's easy just to understand in general why people are paying attention, why people are more invested, why people are covering things. Um, But I think it's almost more important. To, to cover them when the team's bad because that's when it requires fixing. There's not a ton that requires fixing right now. Right now, we just right. look, let's get to November and see who this team is and get to December and see who they are. And if if they're not good enough in the big moments, okay, then that's a problem but it's better to get and to come up short than to not get there in the first place. You would rather go to a Super Bowl and lose than to not go to a Super Bowl cuz you got to be good enough to get there, right? And I think that's the exciting right. thing is it seems like this is a team that's going to put themselves in position to have those games and have those moments that they
0: weren't even good enough to get to in the first Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of what uh what we're looking at for the rest of this season, what we're looking forward to is that for the first time in a long time since since Sam, since Sam Bradford's rookie season in 2010, right. I think the Rams are headed towards a position where uh, come week 16, 17, they're fighting for a playoff spot. So Sam Bradford's rookie season, it literally was week 17, <laughs> literally mm-hmm. the last game of the season. You have to win to make the make the playoffs, and they lost to the Seahawks by like five or something like that. You know, so – that, that that's what I think the Rams are headed towards, you know, where come uh, December when they call it meaningful football, when the games really, really count because uh, everything's on the line. I think the Rams are headed towards that right now where they could be in a position to uh, either control their own destiny or be in a position to – Steal the control from someone else. Right now, it looks like the uh, the them and the Seahawks are going to be going head to head as the season really gets rolling here as we go into November. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting must, that's for sure.
1: And it starts so, off. Here's the what, thing: it starts off with the last game of October. I was just going to say we, we got we got to sprinkle in a little preview stuff for the Cardinals heading to London NFC, where, where the Rams have not had success. Let's just be blunt. Facing an Arizona Cardinal team <laughs> that. If, if, you know, last week I said it was, you know, kind of a preview of the NFL future. The Arizona Cardinals are trying to extract every last drop of the last NFL era. Adrian Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer. If, if there's somebody who's pushing 35, Andrew Whitworth might switch teams next Sunday <laughs> just out of, out of respect for what they're letting 30-year-olds do. What's your feeling going into this game, man?
0: You know, I think it's going to be a game where the Rams are are going to look good in every area, you know, so special teams, defense, offense. And I I really feel this way. Um, I felt this way kind of going into the season with this game in particular, uh, mostly because there was a lot of talk, you know, will Carson Palmer come back and stuff like that. When those talks get to swirling more times than not, the person played, their, their their play usually falls off a cliff or, you know, you can see a, a, a legitimate difference in their game. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there and I'm listening to the talks about Carson Palmer and about Larry Fitzgerald and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, they're at the end of the line, you know, and you have a young Rams team up coming in. If there's one thing we know for sure, within the division, the Rams always played the teams very tough. Um, so, I'm thinking that it's probably going to be a game where we're going to see them really clicking on all cylinders, and it's because you look at the defense and you see the way they've played the last two-and-a-half games and you see the way that the uh, the special teams is starting to click. You know, the begin the season, uh, it seemed like Farrell Cooper wasn't really comfortable returning kicks. And I'm ex- I'm not even talking about the Jaguars game yet. Like As I was saying that the Jaguars game wasn't even in my head. I'm just speaking of the last couple of weeks between the Seahawks and the Cowboys. You know, he went from averaging a putrid, like, 20 yards a return to 27 mm-hmm. over those two weeks. And then last week he bust one, you know, to where he was averaging 68 a game. Uh, in that, he averaged 68 yards a per return in that game. You know, so you can really see just players beginning to get more comfortable throughout this Rams team. Whereas, like you said, with the Cardinals, they really try to exhaust all they can out of players who kind of at the end of the line. You know, so it's, I think that the Rams have the opportunity to really, really show off in this game.
1: The Rams have three players at least 30 years of age. Connor Barwin, John Sullivan, Andrew Whitworth, the three that keep getting their rest if you read the initial injury report every week. Arizona <laughs> yeah. has 15 players, 15
0: who are 30 years or older. Ouch. That's a lot of cold tub action. <laughs> More than the average guy. <laughs>
1: that's a lot of, of rubdowns. That's a lot of. Oh yeah. That's a lot of old man strength. <laughs> I will say that there's there's something and you can see it in Andrew Whitworth. You can be a blessed athletic freak, and that's great. But there is something you want no part of from a 34 year old defensive tackle like Frosty Rucker. Like that man. <laughs> His body has seen some shit, bruh. He has no time. He does not care about your concerns.
0: You know, it's funny because I was watching him, uh, and I immediately had a flashback to the preseason, but I was watching him um, against the uh, Seahawks. And when Sheldon Richardson got that ball and took off running, first off, let me just tell you, I know Sheldon Richardson uh, personally, like, with somebody from the same neighborhood as me. I've known him for years. The dude is an athlete. And he can run, <laughs> and, you know. And coming, uh, going into college, he really the ru is not just a rumor. It's true. When they tested him in Mizzou his freshman year, he legit ran a four six <laughs> at two eighty. He can move, you know. So when I watched Andrew Whitworth chase him down, I immediately had a flashback to the preseason. <laughs> and in the preseason against yeah, the Chargers. Yeah. Jared Goff gets uh-huh. sacked, and the only person chasing down uh, Melvin Ingram <laughs> is Andrew Whitworth, and he chased him all the way to the end zone. And it wasn't just he was chasing him. He was on his ass. <laughs> like, if he had another five yards to go, he'd probably catch it. so Like, Andrew Whitworth is in unbelievable shape. Like, you can tell he takes really, really good care of his body. So, when you add in that old man strength, and you add in his conditioning and the way he takes care of himself, it, I can see why the Rams were comfortable signing him and saying, you know, we think that he could play for more than just this year because he looks so good. You know, it, it, it's an impressive. Andrew Wilber is a very, very impressive specimen, especially when you include his age.
1: It's also, a so you, Browns looking at the roster. Jermon Brown, Malcolm Brown, Jerron Brown, John Brown. There's a lot of Browns in this game, a lot of Mr. Browns. What were you going to say? Yeah, I'm sure you're going to say something much more serious and much more intellectual. I'm over here looking at Chris Long, Spencer Long, Jake Long.
0: (laughs) Check it out, check it out all the Browns. Joe likes (laughs) Browns. So so you can take that and spit it however you want. (laughs) I'm going to let
1: that one go. You tried to beat me. It's not happening.
0: So um, Ogletree's contract. Ogletree Ogletree has been Hmm. signed, you know, I said that when they were uh, in our uh, team chat that when they were restructuring these contracts and re-signing players, they were creating, you know, a little wiggle room to make a move. And naturally, I think all of us, uh, the thought was they were creating it for Aaron Donald. But it turns out they were creating it for Alec Ogletree, who after after he was signed, it came out that – that's who they've been working on this entire time. <laughs> they've been working on this deal for months, you know. So they they were actually working on Alec Ogletree this entire time, um, even when even when they were trying to uh, get Aaron Donald back, they were still working on a contract with Alec Ogletree. What are your thoughts on that deal? All
1: right, here's what I'd probably say, man. Um, we were talking earlier about the idea that the Rams haven't played meaningful November, December football. And so the things that we learned about teams in years past was stuff that predates that kind of meaningful football. Those Rams weren't even capable of getting to those games to know if, in the big moments, in the big games, they could summon a command performance. The the performance that careers can be defined by, right? The kind of – you just – Aaron Rodgers, I know he just got hurt, but two weeks ago against the Cowboys, you saw him orchestrate that comeback because that's what he does. He's good enough to do that. He does it in the playoffs. He does it in the biggest games. We don't know which of the Rams, whether you're talking about Andrew Whitworth, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, anybody, Aaron Donald on defense what if the Rams are nine and six in week 17, what kind of a performance do we get with them? If Lord willing this year, some year soon, the Rams are in the playoffs. What kind of performance do we get from those guys? We don't really know because they've never been in that position. I think this is one of those contracts of a team that isn't there yet. Right. And I get there. A lot of people that don't like the contract and a lot of people that, you know, whatever there's plenty of criticism. I, I, I To me, if this is a team that's made the playoffs, if this is a team that's trying to push that bar, not where the Rams are now, but where uh, the Cowboys were coming out of last year or where the Panthers, well, maybe not the Panthers because they were just in the Super Bowl two years ago, but, but teams that have made the playoffs, that have had some success, that are trying to push it even further and go from a playoff contender to maybe an NFC Championship slash Super Bowl contender, I don't know that those Rams would offer this deal right? I, I don't know that the value is there for Alec Ogletree for a team that's expected to be that kind of a team would do, make this deal versus a Rams team that is just now cracking through the playoff contender ceiling for the first time maybe where you can afford to make this deal because you're just getting there and you've got some other spots to tinker with even as you continue to improve this team. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I said it last week uh, in the chat, I said, I would rather keep Mark Barron. This is a lot coming from me, because everyone knows how critical I have been of Mark Barron's contract. But I said, I would rather keep Mark Barron at this point than re-sign um, Alec Ogletree, because I just haven't seen it. In fact, to me, he looked, he looked pretty bad this year between the missed tackles and just overall performance. And then he gets this contract, and then the uh, PFF comes out with the articles, you know, highlighting how bad he's been, and he's actually the lowest-rated starter on the Rams' defense (laughs) uh, by far. It's not Mm -hmm. even close. And um, Mark Barrett is actually way up there on the Rams' defense. He's in the top five, you know, so it's like he's been so bad, and PFF has him ranked as the 80th. Let me repeat that. The 80th Mm -hmm. linebacker in the NFL this year. You know, and the, with all the missed tackles that he's missed between last year and halfway through this year, it. I just think that this is such a risky signing because you're talking about paying him Luke Kuechly level money, Luke Kuechly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Like Luke Kuechly. This isn't just anybody. This is a, a an All Pro, Pro Bowler, Defensive Rookie of the Year player that you just paid him. Like you know, and it it doesn't. Sit well with me. Um, it's another, it's another contract that's been doled out like so many other ones in recent years. Where you're just like, man, what in the world is going between Leslie and Kevin Demoff? I just think they like to throw away money to the wrong players. But then mm-hmm. you have the the right players like the Janoris Jenkins and the Rodney McLeod and the Tremaine Johnson who they need to pay and they don't. And it's, and it's just it's so mind boggling to me. I will never understand it. You have an Aaron Donald who's earned the right to sit out and you don't, you don't give it to him. You rather go pay Alec Ogletree. That's money you could have put towards a contract to get uh, Aaron Dalton taken care of. I, just, I will never understand it.
1: And I said two things I'll point out about this deal that I think are interesting. One, uh, this comes in his fifth year option. So as opposed to Tavon Austin and Robert Quinn, who are going to make very, very interesting decisions in Uh, five months when the Rams review those contracts. Uh, Those guys got their re-ups essentially after their third professional year. Alec Ogletree is getting in the middle of his fifth. So where where we can say, at least with Tavon and Robert Quinn, the Rams should have waited to give this deal. With Alec Ogletree, the Rams didn't have a ton more time compared to those two guys to give. The other thing that I think is is interesting is Alec Ogletree – Uh, moved from outside linebacker to the mic under Jeff Fisher. That's not a move that is only done for performance or or for skill, right? It's almost like a move to center on the offensive line. There's a ton of technical awareness and field generalship that you have to be able to understand in order to be a 4-3. And the fact that Ogletree was selected to do that, I feel like there's a – maybe a leadership thing or a locker or a mental aspect that maybe tree understands maybe natively, but maybe just through his experience and through his tutelage better than anybody that he offers that creates value more than obviously what's on the field. When you talk about what PFF said, yeah, that's not good. Um, But I do wonder if off the field as a, as kind of the, the on-field captain, not necessarily captain, but the on-field manager, for the defense if maybe he offers something there that creates value. And that's what spurred this deal on. Because, yeah, on the merits of his performance, it's very hard to line up with the kind of money that it sounds like we're talking about. And the details for this still haven't even been released, which lets you know how hesitant what, the Rams are to be able to put some of this stuff out. But we know, I, that, I, it, I think, we know
0: that it's four years, $42 million, and he's going to get paid $33 million in the first three years. So – He's, he's getting paid a hefty dollar. <laughs> he's, he's getting paid a hefty dollar, you know. So, it's uh, – and he's, again, he's ranked the 80th linebacker in the NFL this year. 80th. Wow. <laughs> and,
1: and, well, here's the thing. It's one of those things where when he's missing tackles in week two, week four, and we're still winning games, I think people are going to – not be as outraged as, as those of us who pay a ton of attention, right? And, and I, yeah. the, even even people who are just fans to be fans. I know there are fans of the Rams who are fans of Alec Ogletree because he's out there and because the Rams defense is making more plays in the offense in years past or whatever. They're just fans of Alec Ogletree that, that aren't willing to disparage him just because of a couple of missed tackles, especially when the Rams are winning. If we get to week 15, week 16, and you're talking about crucial, crucial, crucial games, or even, you know, playoff deciding games or playoff games themselves, and Alec Ogletree makes some mistakes, that's going to change. That's all I'm saying. And and, and conversely, I would say this. If Tree comes out and makes some plays and has a game in week 17 or in the playoffs, I know you, Myson. I know you will be one of the first people to praise him for his performance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you play well, I'll show you love. If you don't, I'm calling you out. I don't care. (laughs) It's just that simple.
1: It's it's just one of those things where I I think – the Rams haven't gotten to a place where we've got decisive games, right, where where you can say, okay, this guy is not good enough when it matters because we haven't even been there. And it feels like this is a team you do, a, a deal you do before you're there that I'm hoping the Rams don't come to regret this once they get into those games if Alec Ogletree isn't
0: up to measure. I'll leave it at that. Well, only time would tell. But with that, let's go Thank ahead and you. get into these, uh, these listener questions before we get on to some college and get out of here. So we had, uh, we had two very, very, very interesting questions that I was like, you know what, these guys brought it. And the first one was from Curtis Murray. Um, he says, golf has been a little inaccurate on deep balls lately, and he seems to fail at seeing open receivers at times. Are you concerned moving forward, or does he – just need more time to get comfortable with these things. You want to take a stab at that first?
1: Well, the the only reason I'm a little bit uncomfortable is when you talk about somebody like Tyler Higbee, Jared Goff might not have more chemistry and more reps with anybody on this offense than Tyler Higbee. There's no reason they shouldn't be on the same page for those kind of routes. And the throw that you saw on Sunday was just a throw that they've got to connect. They, there's, there's no excuse for it. Um, So that one worries me. What's what's a little bit different with Sammy Watkins, he's much faster, he's much more explosive, and because of that, Goff's got to throw the ball way before Sammy Watkins is anywhere near where he's going to catch it when you're talking about some of these deep passes, right? Uh, He can throw things on a rope down the seam. He can throw things on a rope to Tyler Higby. You can't really do that with Sammy Watkins because you've got to throw him as he explodes through the route and creates that separation. That one's a lot harder to me. But the Higby one worries me. That, that's one where, you know, because there's no excuse for it, I, don't, I just don't feel comfortable about missing that, especially in a game like yesterday where you're not going to get a ton of those opportunities. When you're going up against a caliber of defense like what the Jags have, you don't get a ton, And we saw it. You don't get a ton of those. You've got to make them count when you get them. And the fact that the Rams missed one, look, we're, we're lucky that we got bailed out by defensive special teams yesterday. We can say that for the first time this season, right? If we couldn't right. say that, we'd be pointing to those throws with a lot more uh, vitriol than we are.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to use the same example, Tyler Higbee. Um, and it wasn't just this week or yesterday. It was also last week against the Seahawks. They ran – the perfect mm-hmm. route, you know, where they rolled one way and Tyler Higby slipped out to run the opposite way, and he's running free behind everyone, and Jerry Goff overthrows him. Uh, I would definitely say that it is a bit alarming to see Jerry Goff still struggling with these with these throws, especially since he threw the ball downfield so much in college, You, in as much as they threw the ball, you picked throwing the ball that much, throwing it down for that much, that he would have some sort of comfort level doing it. But he just doesn't look yes. fully comfortable doing it. Now, that's not to say he can't do it. Uh, you go back to the game against San Francisco, the throw to uh, Sammy Watkins there, everyone talked about the yep. catch. But I was the first to say the throw was much more impressive than the catch because there was only one place in the world you could put this ball, and it was right there. Perfectly thrown So you know he can do it But now it's about the consistency of it So I would definitely say that um, It is alarming to me And it is something that stands out to me And I am noticing it He does not, like, uh, like Curtis said He doesn't seem comfortable with these things uh, Will he get comfortable over time? Um, that's where the Higby example comes in because there's been so much time. They were roommates for crying out loud. You know, they they, yeah. they they work out together, they live together, they practice together, they spend time after practice together. They even hang out together just to go do stuff for fun. Like, if the chemistry isn't right with him, who is it going to be right with? So is this an area that he's just not good at? I mean, it took Tom Brady 15 years into his career before he got a consistent deep ball. Could that be a similar issue with with Jared Goff, you know, not everyone is an Aaron Rodgers where they just come in and can just sling it. So we'll see, but uh, it's definitely something that stands out. It's definitely something to continue watching moving forward throughout the season. Uh, and well, and from, I'd say this know, too.
1: One one of the other good Go things is you got to you got to keep that in the playbook. So we know he's going to keep throwing it. We know he's going to get a chance to improve on it. So uh, it's not going. It's not just oh he's struggled with it. Let's take it out of the playbook. Those throws are still going to happen. So. You know he'll Absolutely. he'll get the chance to he, make him play. He'll get the chance to make. Him he play.
0: pushed the ball. He pushed the ball twenty five yards or more downfield against the Seahawks seven times. He threw it downfield seven times. Did he complete all of them? No. He only completed one, but he threw it down there seven times. So he's not afraid to do it. But there seems to be a lack of comfort with uh, hitting that ball consistently. Uh, next question, though, Nicholas Joseph. Uh, he asked, why haven't Golf and Sammy Watkins connected more? And like the short to intermediate passing game, uh, Sammy Watkins wants the ball, but they only seem to throw it to him deep. Um, That's actually a good question because the one game where Sammy Watkins got off against San Francisco, they were really feeding him the ball in the intermediate part. (laughs) You know, the the intermediate part, uh, they were really feeding him the ball. Uh, my my best answer, and Joe, you can take a stab at this. My best answer would be is that it goes back to Sean McVay wanting to spread the ball around. You really never know who's going to be the guy to ball out. Every week and there's been someone different. I mean, no one's heard anything from Cooper Cup since the first week. <laughs> you know, the first week he had six catches for like 77 yards or something like that, 80 yards. And, and then the next week, you know, you had uh, Gerald Everett. And then the week after that you had – both Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins in the weekend. It just changes from week to week, and you really never know who's going to get off. But the one thing for sure is that whoever week it is, they eat and feast on the intermediate. So I don't think it's so much of uh, Jared uh, Jared Goff not throwing to Sammy Watkins on the intermediate or not designing plays for Sammy Watkins on the intermediate. I just think that it varies on whose week it is, whose turn it is. Shammy Watkins may be coming up, and maybe if you notice the last week against the Seahawks, Tavon Austin got a lot of looks. Yesterday, he touched the ball twice, <laughs> so that that should tell you that should tell you all you need to know. You know, he had uh, six or seven carries last week. Plus, they threw the ball to him like another four times. He only touched the ball. That was eleven eleven attempts to get the ball into his hands, and uh, yesterday he only did it twice. So. It definitely changes from week to week. Tyler, Tyler Higby didn't even have a single catch. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. You got anything to throw on that one before we get, well, get off?
1: Yeah, it's also about who you've got as replacement options, right? When you talk about the idea of Samuel Watkins working the intermediate part of the field, if he doesn't do that, who else can you have work the intermediate part of the field? And like you said, the answer is we've got a hell of a lot of people that can. That yeah, this is a much everyone. deeper passing attack than we've had in recent years, Right. So you, you can you can yeah. Robert Woods he got a ton of looks uh, yesterday. We you talk about Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett up the seam are huge options in the shorter game. Uh, Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield can do some things uh, like that huge one that he had where I thought he was on the line. You corrected me; he was coming out of the backfield. The the Rams have a ton of guys that they can send over the middle. Uh, who can they send deep? I don't know. Maybe Josh Reynolds, but outside of Sammy Watkins. Who is a proven threat that opposing defensive coordinators and defensive coaches know they have to have something schemed up to protect against? I don't know that we have anybody else on the roster that can do that. So I almost feel like it's not that Sammy Watkins has done anything wrong not to earn intermediate looks or that he can't be successful with them. It's that nobody else can offer the threat that he does downrange. And because of that, you've got to keep sending them deep with more frequency. And with with more uh, intent than you would other people, right? We go, you go back a couple of weeks, I think it was week two, week three, with Tim's uh, Tim Godfrey, uh, for everybody that reads uh, up on TFT staff names, his film reviews, he kept pointing out that on a lot of these fakes, Tavon would just pull up after a couple steps. And obviously everybody saw the throw a couple of weeks ago where Sammy Watkins, whatever, didn't see the ball, didn't think it was his route, got confused, and he pulled up. Uh, didn't really finish the route you got to you got to finish the route because you've got to draw safeties and cornerbacks you've got to give the credibility that okay this guy's going deep we've got to cover him with either safety help or to let the cornerback drag him all the way uh, and I don't know that anybody else is going to force that kind of uh, attention besides Sammy Watkins.
0: absolutely so you got anything for college football before we get out of here the::
1: oh, What a weekend. <laughs> what a wonderful weekend. Hey, and here's the great thing. It, it, don't, don't let my fandom become a delusion. There's not a lot of NFL talent on that team, but um, <laughs> North Texas, when I, when I was there, we won the Sun Belt Conference, the worst conference in college football a couple of times. We got out of it, got into Conference USA a couple of years ago, and uh, well, I, would, I would say this, because of that win, we're on track to have the best season in program history. That's pretty cool. Go mean Green. for the Rams. Though <laughs> uh, I wouldn't ask you guys to pay too much attention to what's going on in Denton. Uh, it was a weird, weird week. If you care about college football, if you care about scouting, weird weeks are great because you get to see. Okay, Lamar Jackson is struggling. What kind of a quarterback is he in this game? You get to see with Clemson. Okay, the defense is not looking like themselves. How do you know? What are they going to do? Um, I know. I know. Every day should be Saturday. One of our bigger college football blogs called it blood week. You got to have a blood week, a good blood week to separate, you know, as the saying goes, the men from the boys, because that's who the NFL is looking at bringing up. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Was there, was there a game that stuck out to you? Was there a matchup that stuck out to you? I'll give you one that uh, I'm still impressed with. It's Oklahoma's offensive line, dude. Those dudes eat, man. They, they, and I get it. You, you're talking about level of competition. I could see four NFL players on that line.
0: Well, there wasn't um one game that stuck out to me. In fact, there was multiple mm-hmm. things that stuck out to me for all the same reason. And let me see if you could tell me what they are. Uh Syracuse over Clemson, uh Cal over Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> Who bl- no, no 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 no. Not Cal
1: not Cal over Washington State. Cal blew that ass up. But that was thirty seven to three. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, if I had told you thirty seven to three, you'd say, Oh yeah, I could see Washington State winning thirty seven to three. No 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 no. They lost thirty seven to three. That's pure blood <laughs> week.
0: That's <Exactly>. unfiltered <laughs> blood week. Exactly. It, it was uh it was a week of uh upsets. And it happens every I don't understand it, but every year, college every year. football, there's a weekend. There there's usually two weekends actually. There's one random weekend and then it happens. When the pressure's on towards the end of the season, teams start to fold under pressure, and they lose games they're supposed to win, and it all happens in one weekend. And this weekend, you just saw a lot of teams lose. <laughs> you saw LSU beat Washington. Auburn, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wish you all. Man, Washington lost to Arizona State. You know, it was
1: uh, all those undefeated
0: teams you mentioned last week. They're not all undefeated anymore. <laughs> you
1: know,
0: so it was. That's what stood out to me was, was was I was going through looking at scores and you know watching a couple of the games. I was just like, well, I guess this is that first weekend where everything just kind of goes to shit.
1: <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. So. You, you look ahead, uh, Memphis-Houston is coming up on Thursday. That could be an interesting game on ESPN. By the way, if you haven't seen Ed Oliver, uh, defensive lineman from Houston, he's a true sophomore, so he can't come out in the 2018 NFL draft. But he looks like he look, there's a lot of Aaron Donald in this kid. He's uh, spectacular. I'll put it like that. Now it's time to check out on Friday. Uh, then you get into Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma State at Texas. That's number 10 Oklahoma State. Uh, A lot of offense there, and obviously Texas ain't going to slow them down much. That'll be on ABC. That's an early game. Uh, Tennessee at Alabama. I don't know. Tennessee's Tennessee, man. If you want want to watch it, it's kind of just to take some enjoyment of the end of the Butch Jones era because it could get uh, spectacularly bad. And if you're into that kind of schadenfreude, that's a good view uh, you might want to get in. The other one might be North Carolina, Virginia Tech, because North Carolina is going through the same thing. Uh, moving on, you got Oklahoma at Kansas State, South Florida, Tulane, LSU, Ole Miss. That could be a fun one on ESPN. That's uh, the first of the night games. Then you got a couple of the big games. You got um, Michigan, Penn State, number two Penn State, and then you got USC, Notre Dame. Obviously, we're going to have a ton of. L.A. listeners who will be wanting to check out that one. But what are we going to be looking to uh, this weekend, Myson? I'm assuming you want to see something on offense. Huh? Uh,
0: <laughs> you know what? It's it's, it's not even a um, a matter of offense or anything like that that I want to see. I actually was more so looking at the uh, the in-state game <laughs> this past week where I was watching Missouri and Georgia play. And it was started off as like such a good game, you know.
1: And what are you doing? It started
0: season, off. With, it, 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 start, it started out. Hey, it's it state. I I can't get I can't get that tiger out of me, you know. But <laughs> it started off as such They make a good pills game. for
1: that, dude. They make medicine <laughs> for that.
0: I I, I genuinely – I was like, oh, wow, it looks like it's going to be a shootout. You know, it's 28-31, I think it was at the time. And, you know, there was back and forth scoring. It was really good going into half, and then it just stopped. And then (laughs) – and then (laughs) – So now, much like yourself, where you care about a team that no one else seems to care about, I am actually looking forward to Missouri having a bit of a cupcake day against Idaho – so I can actually chill. Oh,
1: don't say that. Don't, don't you say that. That's I the know. exact kind of I thing know, right? that people say on podcasts, that they come back you, a week later to regret.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what I'm I actually said that after the, the Georgia game, I was like, I can't wait till they play Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, Just a, that second so for anybody that didn't
1: see that to recap, Georgia, 696 total yards of offense. It was tied 21 to 21, and then Georgia ripped off 26 unanswered points. You see, I knew you liked offense. You just used the guys of Missouri to get you to some <laughs> offense that just happened to be on the other side.
0: Hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> that
1: Georgia team could play though. Yeah,
0: that, uh, they're deep. I, I, I they're need... so deep, man.
1: It's one of those things where you just kind of want – I almost don't want them to have to play the rest of the schedule so they can just get to the SEC championship because I don't want them to lose some kind of stupid game. Because uh, uh-huh. I, I want to see I, I want to see Georgia-Bama. I don't know that there's a – maybe, I don't know. There's a couple that I would put in that tier. But right now, the prospect of Georgia-Bama – so all Georgia's got right now, Florida at home, South Carolina at home, at Auburn. That's a big trip-up game. Then home against Kentucky, and then on the road against Georgia Tech. If they handle their business, they get to the SEC Championship, which would be a phenomenal repeat of the game a couple of years back. I want that game. I don't want them to screw something up and make it not happen.
0: And <laughs> keeping the fingers crossed, then. <laughs> I just
1: want to fast-forward. But, yeah, the, the, the big one this weekend is going to be Saquon Barkley. Penn State at home against a tricky Michigan. They look, you go back a couple of weeks ago, people were buying in on Michigan, even though they had had some uh slow performances, you could say. Um, now that they've dropped this game against Michigan State and the way they look absolutely. against Indiana, I think there's some questions about.
0: Them. Yeah, I absolutely one hundred percent agree with that. So it's it's definitely gonna be uh it's definitely gonna be a good weekend of games, I think, lined up, but Overall, we know the most important game to be looking out for, and that is the game on Sunday. Remember that even though it's considered the whole game, it's in Monday, so it's going to be at 12 o'clock. It's not going to be at 315, or excuse me, it's going to be at uh, 10 a.m. It's not going to be at 115 uh, L.A. time. Um, so make sure that we're all tuned in for that. Joe, you got anything before we get out of here? No, man. All right. Well, make sure you are following myself on Twitter, Mighty or Bison. Make sure you're following Joe, 3K underscore, love the underscore. We're going to have to make him tell that story again for anybody that didn't hear it week one. But uh, 3K underscore for Joe. Also, follow the show at Turf Show Times. And if you have any questions, make sure you shoot them out to with at hashtag Turf Show Radio. That's all we got for you. We talk to you on Monday. We out.
1: Is off, the Rams get down so nobody's fault. And don't you worry, because the Rams are rapping When game time comes, we'll be back to die. We can't sing, and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood, handsome, Dodge City, tough. If you throw it my way, it's going to get rough. I like to ram it. As you can see, nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Deeter. Nobody dressing sweeter. None of this cool is a quarterback mistreated. I come from the end looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a
0: mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. What they told me and I like to block I'm quick off the line as I can be Cause I don't want this running over me
1: This is baby face and I don't yield I'm a Texan fool on the football field From the Jersey Shore to baboa
0: Bay If you run at me, you'll have a bad day This is R.B., no speedball round. Fastest man in the whole damn town Cars and ladies are a part of my creed But more than that, I feel the need to speed This is Ketcher, out to make a run With shades on, I can catch a BB in the dark So now you're ready and I'm sure you'll agree the ramming is fun when you're ramming with me Here, I'm a pumping eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can. I'm strong as it comes, but I've got a
1: brain, and stopping me is like stopping a train. I'm Carly, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coach in LB. This motorcycle, he has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your head. The names intimidate me. The path of my way, I'll see you later. Quicker on my teeth, the ladies agree before they know it, they're ramming with me. The Iceman, Man, come on, the Royal's the name. I cover the corner, interception's my
0: game. Score more than anybody else on the D, because I move like a cat, as you will see. The guys call me dick instead of dick. I'm the ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be. Even sweeter than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies want to bring anyone. But enough about me. we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night.